At that exact moment, I knew this was unlike any other injury I've experienced in my life. I was losing consciousness rapidly as I fought to stay awake. That was useless. Hello, everyone. This is Pamela Brewer welcoming you to this edition of Mind Talk. I just shared with you the words of today's guest, Dr. Chris Ann Gordon, who, with Andrew Miller, has written a book. It's actually it's it's more than a book. Um, it's a life story. It's a journey. It's a workbook. You name it. Uh, it is entitled "Turn the Lights On: A Physician's." personal journey from the darkness of traumatic brain injury to hope, healing, and recovery. Dr. Chris Ann Gordon, welcome to Mind Talk. Thank you so much, Dr. Brewer, for inviting me today. I'm so thankful to be here to speak a little bit about the hope that we can instill in um, the individuals in our country, particularly our military, who are struggling with the effects of traumatic brain injury. You know, what struck me, uh, even as I looked at the cover of the book, I mean, I'm looking at it now. So there's this collection of light bulbs, and there are a couple that are on pretty brightly, but the rest of them really are dim. Uh, and, and that's just an interesting visualization of some of the effects of traumatic brain injury. But before we talk about that, the fact that you are a physician and this has been your experience, you know, we tend to think about physicians as being all-knowing and invincible. But you're saying, nope, nope, we're all human. Absolutely, we are. And it's amazing, Dr. Brewer, I really, everything that I had learned about traumatic brain injury did not help me get out of where I was. That's what I found so interesting. You know, I had to be kind of on the inside, biting my way out, thinking, you know, the normal therapies and medications that were not helping my brain. I was it's a relatively young brain, as it is with so many of our veterans and even our young athletes. And so what we do in rehab often is use techniques for the 70 or 80-year-old stroke. Huh. This is not the same injury and not the same brain. So uh, it was... I think my boot camp, you know, I, you know, they say for everything that happens to you, there's a reason. And my reason for having this was so that 10 years later, when I began speaking to my first veteran coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan, I knew immediately what was going on. And I was able to relate to them and them to me. You know, they realized they were not crazy. You know, <laughs> this is actually something that happened. And they also realized that they can come out the other side. And I think that was my main reason for writing this book, to instill hope in our young veterans, in their families, in their caregivers, you know, so that they realize that, yeah, this is kind of a long journey or could be, but there are great rewards for, for keeping at it. I, I, I want to take you back, uh, actually, to the beginning of Turn the Lights On. You were doing something fairly innocuous, as many of us are when we sustain a fall. You were putting away Christmas ornaments, I, you know, just a thing. And then, and then what happened? Well, you know, it was forgetting all of physics, you know. I, I'm pushing a lot of Christmas china back underneath the crawl space and realized that uh, it went from carpet to cement really quickly. <laughs> and, and suddenly, as I'm pushing and forcing this box underneath the crawl space, my head literally, literally hit a brick wall. And 
uh, as you mentioned at the beginning, right away I knew this was different. And right away I knew I was losing consciousness and did not want to do that, of course. And as a physician, my last few thoughts are, how am I going to get out of this? Am I going to be a quad? Am I going to be able to see? And that was it. Lights were out. And I was a former emergency physician before I became a rehab specialist. And all I could think of is how many times in the ER you use the phrase, lights out, nobody home, you know, dim bulb, not working. That's exactly how the brain feels. It is unlike any other organ. It is an electric organ. it acts like a computer, and literally, my computer was crashing instantaneously. And 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 what? And I I have to say, I want I want to say odd, but maybe that's not quite the word. Experience when you know something is going on and you want to stop it, but you can't stop it, and you're a physician to boot, so everybody expects you to be able to stop and fix everything all the time. I know. It's true. And I will tell you that fast forward a decade later, again, when I began working with our young veterans from the global war on terror, I'm thinking I could barely function for several weeks thereafter. And these young men and women, you know, have to get up immediately and collect a combat zone where maybe they have lost a good friend, a brother or sister in arms, you know, where they may actually have to pick up body parts of that friend of theirs and continue on. And I honestly don't know how they are able to do it. I do want to point out to all of them who may be listening to your report is I, by the time I got to the ER, like several hours later, I had a normal MRI too. And I could not speak. I could not see. I had no feeling on the right side of my body. And I was lucky because my colleagues at the ER realized, no, no, she's not faking. (laughs) If she's not speaking, there's an issue. But so many times, as you remember at the beginning of the Iraq and Afghanistan conflicts, when our our young soldiers and airmen and Marines were coming back, they were told, oh, this may be psychosomatic. You know, they're they're just trying to, you know, get some disability. No, I, I really feel that's why I decided to write this book, to be that voice for them. No, you can have a normal MRI. We now know we need special diffusion tensor imaging or functional MRIs or PET scans, very specialized testing to find the injury again in, in a young brain from what is quote unquote mild traumatic brain injury. And you and I know there's nothing mild about it, that's for sure. Exactly. And, you know, just as you were uh, describing uh, a moment ago what these young soldiers have to deal with in in, in the field, and, uh, and then I think back to your describing, you kind of, you saw this phone and you thought it might help you do something, but you weren't quite sure what, and you didn't quite know how to use this thing that you thought might be helpful. And when you compare that to what you just described, you're a soldier, you're, you're, you know, in, in a situation, you don't have time to have time. You got to get up right Right. away and go do something. It's just mind boggling. If we really think about it. Any of You know, I mean, seriously, I I am so proud of all of them that come back. And each and every veteran that I speak to, the first thing I say to them is, you are a survivor. Yeah, you're a survivor. And a lot of the issues that we deal with with traumatic brain injury are literally the brain doing whatever it can to survive. You know, I mean, 
I became a caffeine addict. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I hardly drank caffeine before, but caffeine and chocolate because my brain was so dull. I was uh. reaching for anything to try to jumpstart this brain, you know, jumpstart my computer and get it going. And so many of our young soldiers and athletes end up with addiction problems, with substance abuse problems, and many of them are either to try to speed up the brain like mine. Some some people take amphetamines or, you know, other medications. Some people want to slow down the brain and just stop it altogether, the opiates, the psychotropic medications, marijuana, whatever. What you are trying to do is to normalize your brain with some chemical because you realize very instinctively that something is drastically wrong. You, you make a point early on that, the, that there are similarities between traumatic brain injury symptoms, TBI, and substance abuse behaviors. Yeah. So again, you know, I'm thinking about not only what was going on in your experience, but about these soldiers who, you know, on some levels, folks expect them to drink too much and drug too much and can easily dismiss what they're saying as or what they're trying to say or trying to express as being in a drunken haze. Exactly. And what they're really trying to do is to salvage what they can from their brain. Um, they, the depression that comes with brain injury is amazing as well. And uh, you had a very interesting NFL player on yes. your schedule, I think at the beginning of February, yes. Jay Burnett, who talks about the fact that he was in such a severe depression when he came out of the NFL. Well, some of it may be related to repetitive head trauma, and some of it may be related to loss of mission. And when you think about it, our young military members, when they become young veterans, go through the same thing. The mission isn't there. Their brains may be damaged. They have seen horrific things and not been given the time to process it. And then we wonder why in one overnight plane ride and they land at home, why they're not quote unquote normal. Seriously? Right. You know, we as a society, as the family members, as the community members, need to rally behind them and help them make this adjustment because of what they did for us. Folks, this is Pamela Brewer. You are listening to Dr. Chris Ann Gordon here on Mind Talk. She is the author with Andrew Miller of Turn the Lights On, a physician's personal journey through the darkness of traumatic brain injury to hope, healing, and recovery. Stay right where you are. We will be right back. Dr. Uh, Gordon, talk to us about some of the uh, symptoms of a traumatic brain injury that can get mischaracterized or misdiagnosed for something else. What are some of the common symptoms? 
Oh, surely. Yes. Uh, first of all, headache is very common. Of course, you know, you've got a brain that's been damaged. There are all sorts of chemical reactions going on in that brain and blood flow reactions. And it is a normal and um, all of us, almost all of us get some form of headache. I was very lucky because I just kind of had the dull headache that never got too bad versus so many of our young veterans who get into migraine-like issues with uh, very difficult vascular changes, which is what a migraine is, that lead to both visual symptoms, nausea, total fatigue, and really an inability to think. I mean, when your brain is taken out, you really lose all function. And I think headache is definitely number one of the hallmarks. What I tell my colleagues, and we have to remember that in our country right now, only 8 to 10% of all healthcare providers ever deal with traumatic brain injury which is why we can understand why the VA is having difficulties trying to catch up on this, because there aren't that many in the country to begin with. So what I tell all of my colleagues is look for the person who comes into your office and doesn't take their sunglasses off, because uh. visual problems are key in traumatic brain injury, particularly in mild traumatic brain injury. And the ability to accommodate, to filter light out, uh, to kind of change the pupil reaction and filter it is gone. Mine is still gone. I mean, I still wear sunglasses even on a cloudy day here in Ohio. Uh, you lose that ability. So I think that that's one of the major hallmarks. I also think that um, because of the vision problems, and these have been proven by researchers throughout the country, Michael Lipton, Dr. Lipton at Albert Einstein uh, College of Medicine in the Bronx showed this very clearly. The whole visual system is is messed up. We know that there are 72 different parts of the brain that kind of react to help you see. And so it's very easy for one or multiple of those particular areas to be affected. So um, I think that one of the things I learned, one of the keys in rehab, Dr. Brewer, was the fact that we have to attack the vision first. We have to help them with vision first because you cannot relearn what you can't see. We know the three areas are vision, memory loss, short-term memory loss, unable to find your way around your hometown because the little mapping skills in the brain are like about the size of a dime, and it seems to be very close to the epicenter of where the blast injury, the IED, the improvised explosive device blast that our young soldiers deal with that usually wipes out the mapping skills and the naming. You, know, you can recognize a face, but not the name. And how horrible is that for a veteran coming back from the war zone and not being able to remember the names of their friends or even family members? So all of these issues, you know, the vision, the, the memory, the ability to process new information, the headaches, and even balance issues are all part of this conglomeration of what we call mild brain injury. Yeah, it is pretty amazing that we refer to it as mild. You know, you, it was interesting to hear you talk about sunglasses, just wearing sunglasses. If you see somebody yeah. coming into your office and they're wearing sunglasses, you know, maybe there's been some brain injury. When at yeah. least part of the reality, depending on what that person looks like and how they're dressed, if they're wearing sunglasses indoors, the thought, at least for some, is up, oh, they're on drugs. They're drunk, I know. they're using, there's something. Yes. Very key point. And, and so many of uh, the, the young veterans that I'm sure in your practice, you say, you know, they love the reflector glass because then you can't even see. You know, you, they don't want you to see that they're damaged because uh, 
in the army, in the military, they talk about this resilience, you know, just bury it, move on, keep going, you know, don't tell anybody that you're quote unquote weak. Now, I don't know how you get better if you don't realize there's a problem. (laughs) We need to realize this is an issue. It is a medical issue. It needs to be addressed as a medical problem. And all of the toughening up resilience in the world does not bring your brain back. You make a really interesting, you make many interesting points, but you reference a, a neuropsychologist at Boston University, Dr. Robert Stern, who said that in football, one has to expect that almost every play of every game and every practice, there's, they're going to be hitting their heads against each other. And he likens that to the equivalent of driving a car at 35 miles per hour into a brick wall between 1,000 and 1,500 times per year. What are we doing with our young people who are playing football? I know. It's really true. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite presentations of all time is traumatic brain injury from the battlefield to the playing field, because there are similarities in the fact that both our athletes and our veterans are really the most fit individuals in our nation. I mean, physically fit. There's not obesity, hypertension, heart disease, you know, by definition, there's a fit. So why are we not protecting the brain. I I, I think there should be brain exercises in both the military and and in the NFL, even NCAA or in high school, they seem to be doing a much better job. So hopefully it will filter up the chain with that. But um, we really need better studies before everybody starts with football, definitely before anybody even starts with boot camp. You know, to see what the brain is capable of, because there's so many things. Well, you know, we only worry about um, the military members who are injured in combat. What about all the people that are injured when you learn to jump out of an airplane? Right. <laughs> Let me tell you, our paratroopers, our rangers, you do not land perfectly for about the first, I don't know, 20 times. I mean, we need to begin at the beginning before they begin in training and, and check them before and after and before and after deployments as well. You talked about your own personal life in which you you say that you were used to working 24 to 36 hour shifts. So you know that wasn't great, but that's that's what you were doing. And you you said it averages out to about 17 hours of work per day, six days a week. So again, this doctor was not the doctor treating the doctor well. But then you talk about post the uh, uh, TBI that you had to struggle to get back to, and now I'm going to quote because it was so striking for me, even a 10-hour workday, even a 10-hour workday, like you were really slacking off at 10 hours. I was, wasn't I? (laughs) I still am, yes. And in our military, too, you know, when you think about them, it's a 24-7. When you're in combat, you cannot let your guard down. You have to be ready to go 24-7 the entire time that you're there. Um, When you're an athlete who's training, you're doing it all the time. And I think this was one of the keys that I took out of my own injury. I tend to be a little bit more on the hyperactive spectrum. You're kidding. Definitely. Our veterans are in a state of hypervigilance at all times. Absolutely. You know, when the 
in the military. And even on the playing field, these athletes are looking at everything around them. Every play makes a difference. It is those of us who have these tendencies that we fire a lot more of our brain per minute because we're, we're, we're so hyper-aware. And that's what happens when you get a brain injury. Whatever is working at the time is what goes down, which is why it, it seems to be proven now the injuries are, are, are so much more severe, so much more profound for people who are hyperactive and have their adrenaline flowing. So much more happens to their brain as a result of that. It's why in the ER, you know, we would always look at on Friday nights, the Friday night, you know, DUI, who, who hits this poor family of four, totally unsuspecting they were, of the injury. And they're all injured. And, you know, we kind of observe the person who is driving under the influence and, and they go off to jail or they go off to home and they're totally fine. You know, whatever is working at the time is what goes down. And the hyperadrenaline response makes things such as um, kind of a fear of, of large places, you're agoraphobia, you're afraid to go out, you're afraid to do those things because you realize you can't be as hypervigilant as you were before. So it, it definitely is a much more severe injury to people who have that you know, kind of activity, the hyperactivity syndrome. <laughs> it really... Um you know, your book just broadens the view and their perspective um, and the understanding and the compassion um, that we all need to have of ourselves and others uh, when we are dealing with stress and trauma and injury. Um, you say that you, were, uh, you used to have a photographic memory, and that really never returned. But again... Oh, no. I, I didn't. <laughs> th that's gone, huh? It's gone. I said my IQ went down a good 20 points, but luckily my EQ, my emotional quotient, uh, definitely was bumped up quite a bit. So there was a little trade-off there. <laughs> when people sustain, whether it's called a, a mild, a moderate, a severe brain injury, family members have a range of reactions, yes? Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's a very difficult thing to deal with, particularly when, again, if you think of our, our military members looking so fit, you know, they, they look fit and they look normal. There's no outward sign that something very drastic has happened inside of them in the brain. They haven't. Uh, so many of our young amputee veterans, you know, of course, also had traumatic brain injury, but the society gives them a little bit more of a break because they look as if they've been injured for our country. I think that that's the most important thing. We all need to have patience. I really stress that the caregivers need to find assistance within the community to help them deal with some of this stuff. Uh, persons like yourself, I mean, when I was looking uh, on your website, uh, Dr. Berry, you have all of these issues that you, you deal with with people, depression, divorce, domestic violence, substance abuse, something. This is what happens to a brain that's injured. You know, All of these particular things need to be assessed and need to be treated, but you can't just treat the patient. You have to treat the family. Interesting. And today, 
and perhaps my bias is showing, but in today's world where uh, so much of treatment, at least medical treatment, is insurance company driven, you have less and less time, at least technically, to work with the patient, let alone with their family. Absolutely, and we do need to change that. And that is not just your advice. I think that's a advice of an entire healthcare community, <laughs> for sure. Okay, I think I feel better. <laughs> we're we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we will continue our conversation, folks, with Dr. Chris Ann Gordon, author of Turn the Lights On. We'll be right back. Dr. Gordon, we're running out of time, but I want to speak to an important point that you make in Turn the Lights On, uh, which is that there are times when it may seem like you're sort of static in terms of how you are recovering, and then there are times when as you described it after taking a particular medication, uh, which is not a magic cure for everyone, but um, you described it as it felt like a light switch was being hit, and then you could see, and then you could speak, and it just kind of happened all of a sudden. Right, yes. I, I, that is one of the most important points in the book, and that is do not get discouraged. Again, the brain acts like an electric circuit. That's what it is. That's what we're finding, the chemicals, the electricity that goes on in the brain. So as opposed to like an injury, a muscle injury, where you can notice progress in rehab day in and day out or week after week, you do not do that in a brain injury. So do not get discouraged. I worked so hard trying to be able to speak again. And by that, I mean, I was on my Mac computer kind of listening to the Gettysburg Address and reading it and trying to speak it because it was deep in my long-term memory. I couldn't do it until the moment I could. It's not like I formulated little vowels or little consonants and, and got so much. No, I could not do it until I very slowly said four scores and several years ago. It is amazing. And that was when, when I mentioned at the beginning of this interview, as a physician, what I had learned was not at all what I was experiencing. So I do want to tell uh, particularly our, our young heroes, our young, very healthy individuals with brain injury, keep trying. It is very difficult to plot your progress. It will happen all of a sudden. And interestingly enough, I mean, from the moment I could speak, I never went back to being unable to speak. And I would, uh, within about another month, I was able to speak much more fluently, much quicker, made a lot more sense than I did. That is a hallmark of this. Do not give up. I tell so many of the young vets who contact us via our website or contact me at my private practice, you know, when they contact us, when they contact you, they're in the eye of a hurricane. They've been through heaven knows how many blast injuries, how much trauma they've been through, and now they're still they're, they're quiet. They're trying to get 
someone to assist them. And I said, okay, but you're going to have to hold on because we've got to drag through the other part of that hurricane. <laughs> you know, we've got to go through the other side of the hurricane in order to get out to what we call the new normal. You know, definitely my brain is not the same brain that went into this concussion at all. And although I struggled with that for a little bit of time, I just had to accept that this is my new normal. The old me would not be on this radio speaking to you. I was much more of an introvert, but now I'm like an extrovert for a cause. I think this is my mission to, to give a voice for those young people with traumatic brain injury who have literally lost theirs. And it is indeed a critical cause. Dr. Gordon, how do folks find out more about what you're doing, the book, all of that? Okay, um, the book can be found on Amazon, um, both a Kindle and a paperback form, but the more about what we're doing is on our website, resurrectinglives.org, and you can even link to the book there and link to the documentary um, that I filmed about this called Operation Resurrection, hence the name of our um, our foundation is the Resurrecting Lives Foundation. Wonderful. Dr. Chris Ann Gordon, author with Andrew Miller of Turn the Lights On, a physician's personal journey from the darkness of traumatic brain injury to hope, healing, and recovery. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Thank you so much for this opportunity to share it, and thank you for the work that you are doing constantly as well, particularly to such a broad audience. Thank you. Absolutely. I appreciate that. And folks, I want to remind you that Mind Talk is brought to you daily as an educational public service, and it is not intended to replace any work that you may choose to do with a medical, mental health, or other professional. Mind Talk is produced by Jim Brown and 26 by 2 Communications. You can listen to Mind Talk on demand by going to mindtalk.org. And while there, take a look at all the other platforms where you can access Mind Talk. Likely your favorite platform is also carrying Mind Talk. I would love to hear from you about this or any other Mind Talk program. By all means, do send an email to me at Pamela, P A M E L A, at mindtalk.org. You are welcome to go to the website and sign up for the program guide so you know ahead of time what's coming up on Mind Talk. And remember always if it's unacceptable, it's unacceptable. You take care. Thank you.